Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the March 11th edition of the Ag Market Network. I'm the moderator, Pat McClatchy, and joining us is our cotton panel, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Gerald Nieper, Kip Butts, and the leader of our discussion today, Dr. John Robinson. John, thanks for leading us today and giving us your thoughts on the cotton market. Thank you, Pat, and uh, good morning to everybody. So I'll speak about the WASD somewhat briefly because it was there wasn't that much uh, that many changes to talk about, and then shift gears and and reflect on the new crop uh, balance sheets, which we have a few samples of, with uh, beginning with the council's numbers in early February and USDA's outlook forum numbers in late February. So I'll I'll kind of take a new crop focus and wind up with my price projections. Uh, as far as the WASD goes. I would call this a lazy man's WASDE, which is ap- appropriate because it's the Monday of spring break, and you know I'm feeling a little uh, a little lazy myself. But anyway, I say that because there were very very few changes in this report, and it doesn't take much to summarize it. Just on the U.S. side, uh, there were no changes in the cotton numbers. Um, seeing how this is March, it doesn't really surprise me that that they didn't tinker with the with the production estimate because it's getting kind of late in the game. And the one thing that might lead them to tinker with it, which is the Jennings data, there's not much of a discrepancy between uh, bales ginned at the moment and USDA's uh, forecasted production number. So um, anyhow, no change in production, no change in uh, the exports number, which Again, that doesn't really surprise me if I was USDA and I thought that, you know, maybe there'll be a resolution to this trade thing. There were some signals, some tweets, some statements from White House officials about progress being made. Anyway, if I thought it was going to be resolved in the near term, I probably wouldn't go out on a limb and make major changes to the export number either. Anyway, we didn't have any changes, so no no, uh, no difference in month over month for for U.S. all cotton numbers, and in the, in the foreign side, they didn't they didn't change that much either. Um, the month over month, the biggest driver, the biggest change that there was, was an increase in foreign production, uh, and that was resulting just in a few places. Brazil they upped 350,000 bales, and Pakistan they raised 200,000, and that outweighed. Uh, 100,000 cut in Australia and a smaller one in Central Asia, and that was basically it. And then there were just otherwise very minor adjustments to uh, the foreign trade categories, and that was mostly Indonesia, and I think that was like 50,000 bales. And then uh, and consumption was uh, was just a small a small adjustment. So. Uh, the long and the short of that was there was a 590,000 bale increase in world-ending stocks, and uh, I would call that neutral to slightly bearish looking, but nothing to in the great scheme of things, uh, not a really earth-shaking report. So uh, if I can shift gears then, um, I've and probably all of us have spent more time pondering uh, the new crop outlook this is this is meeting season and outlook season and so we've had some benchmarks out there now uh, beginning with beginning with the council's um, acreage number which is sort of as of the turn of the year and their uh, early February economic outlook they, they came up with a balance sheet um, showing somewhat similar forecasts I think to what all of us have been saying, what I remember OA and Gerald saying at Beltwide and what I've been saying in my 
outlook talks basically looking for something between a 22 and a 23 million bale crop and somewhere between six and seven million bales of ending stocks as a result that that's kind of how their forecast pencils out and and then we have another benchmark that comes every february usually with the usda outlook form and so they they put out both tentative world numbers as well as uh, u.s numbers so on the world side it's kind of interesting to see they're they're kind of projecting a leveling off of world ending stocks. Um, they're expecting a almost 7% increase in world production. This is new crop 1920. 7% increase in production and a 1.5% increase in consumption, and that comes out to a very small increase in world ending stocks, like 1.3% higher and prices slightly slightly lower. So sort of a, sort of a leveling off, topping off of... Uh, of world-ending stocks, and, and a, a reverse of one trend that we've had for the last couple of years is excess world consumption over production, and they, they're they flipping that this time, more production, excess production over consumption, and kind of a leveling off of ending stocks. In their world numbers, they're very similar to what the council and what some of us have projected, too. Um, again, they took... Uh, I think they took the council's acreage projection and they lowered it just slightly. The council was looking at 4.45 million bales of all cotton planted and USDA dropped that uh, a little bit, 150,000 acres fewer, about 1% fewer down to 4.3 million. I was curious. So I went back and looked at that early benchmark acreage product uh, number that the council puts out. I was curious how much that changed historically with with um, the uh, number that's measured in June, and and the answer basically looking back over about 15 years is uh, the on average the actual number planted when it's higher than the council's number it's about seven percent higher in this case that'd be a million acres higher when it's lower it's about six percent lower in this case that'd be about eight hundred thousand so historically there's some there's some wiggle room and so USDA is within that wiggle room uh, to the downside it kind of i find it believable that the actual number might be a little bit less than what the council measured earlier in the year yeah we'll have to see there's the weather is playing into that you know relative prices aside it's awfully wet in the mid-south i gather and it's awfully wet i'll tell you in parts of uh, central north central texas but especially on the texas coast there's there's places north of corpus christi that haven't done any field work at all, and they'd be planting now if they could. So whether they get that in by their April crop insurance planting deadline remains to be seen. So, you know, that'll affect the uh, planted acreage number two. But any way you slice it, I, I, I don't see how you don't end up planting enough to wind up with a 23 million bale crop. And so that's kind of the basis for for my uh, my view of things, I'm I'm actually assuming lower abandonment and higher yields than either the council numbers or USDA's outlook forum numbers because I'm only averaging across wet El Nino type of years until until USDA changes. I'm not, sorry, until NOAA changes their forecast. Um, but even then, my production number is not that different from theirs. I think 23 uh, million bales of is is pretty reasonable and so that leaves us with some kind of assumption about well what what is the exports number going to be in uh for 2019-20 um there's not that many differences amongst uh 
the forecasts that are out there, again, USDA is assuming continuing current policy, so they're assuming that the China tariff effect stays in place, and that results in their estimate of 17 million of U.S. exports of all cotton for 1920 new crop, which is kind of where I am too, 17 million. The council uh, assumed a resolution of the China tariff uh, situation, and and that is underlying their estimate of 17.4, I think it was. So anyhow, 17, 17.4, a healthy amount of exports still leaves us with an ending stocks number, you know, between six and a half and seven million bales. And that's just, to me, that's a, that's a setup for, um, for price weakness, considering that we've had with, with 4.3 million bales of ending stocks for the last two, you know, the current marketing year and the previous one and futures ranging between, you know, mostly between 70 and 85. Um, if we up that ending stocks to, to six and a half or seven, I'm seeing us, you know, I'm seeing us shifting down the range of futures, uh, the the futures price range from, and this is this is my guess, Pat. From and this is exactly the same as I was a month ago. I would, you know, I would see a 78 on the high side and about 62 on the low side. I really don't see what changes that. Uh, and I'm as farmers have asked me, well, you know, when do you think when do you think these things might happen? When should I take some action? You know, there's been many years where where the acreage reports were were the trigger of of the expectations of a bigger crop coming and a weaker price situation. You know, it could come at the end of this month with the on the 29th with the prospective plantings. It could come June, the end of June. It could come with the May Wasdi. Uh, but at some point, it seems to me um, there's there's a risk anyway of things busting out to the downside. And so uh, I would I would urge people to do more of what they can to price early and uh, where where prices are reasonably high. And then particularly if there's any kind of a rally because of of a positive tweet of a resolution that's in the news of any other production related thing that gets the uh, gets the uh, hedge funds springing back into net uh, long. I would take advantage of that, man. If futures get to seventy-seven or seventy-eight, I, I wouldn't expect that to last very long, and I would I would jump all over that. So, Pat, that's basically my comments. I'll hand it back to you. Uh, okay, well, let's just open it up for everybody. Any any other comments about this uh, report? Uh, just one, John, and I. Uh, uh, I did not pick up anything that USDA assumed the tariff TIF would be over any time soon. Is that something that uh, correct? Their their assumption is their assumption is for continuing policy. So they're they're assuming that the tariff problem is still with us. Yeah. Versus versus the council was assuming that the tariff problem would would be resolved. Okay, got you. Thank you. I, I guess that, the question about that is, is really what do you expect them to do? I mean, I, I don't think they're going to build into this a, a deal right. until there is a deal. Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's kind of, yeah. I mean, everybody is in a tough situation trying to guess because it could be, you know, when when there is a resolution, you know, that could be a very influential thing. But uh, you know, when and and it's just no one can say. 
Now, let me just ask, because last week I was traveling around and, you know, in hotel rooms and watching the business press every morning. So last week we had like a little flurry of positive-sounding reports. You know, the, the U.S. Trade Representative said something like, hey, we're making progress. And some other White House official said something like, yeah, we're making progress and maybe something will happen at the end of the month. At least a meeting might happen at the end of March. And then the president tweeted, that was a week ago yesterday, I believe, he, he tweeted kind of a, a call to resolve the, the ag tariff part of this problem. That, that all happened in about two or three days. The market was up like, seemed like one day. Um, early in the it was I guess it was up strong on Tuesday, and and those that positive vibe was cited, but I haven't really heard anything since. I don't know about anybody else. It, well, seems, we, to we, we, it seems to change yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, and and we're all on pins and needles, and that's actually what's moving the market either up or down or sideways, or actually has the market just locked in place, uh, and. Uh, you, most of you know my bias there is that it's, we're going to be slow to react. And I read uh, several tweets from officials that said we're making great progress, but there's still a lot of work to do. So I read a negative tilt to it, a tent to it, that we're not anywhere near a resolution specifically that will open the door for the ag products. Now, you know, yes, just like everybody else, I'd love it to be resolved today. But I don't think we can make any plans whatsoever. I can see it going on another five or six months. Seriously, I can honestly see that we go into, uh, we're certainly past planning because we're there already, but we go into uh, the the August period. But, I mean, please be wrong is all I say to myself. Yeah. Any any other comments about anything? Yeah. On on that basis, I could. Go ahead, Pat. I, I'm, I was getting ready to jump the gun. I, I just, I just kind of, kind of review the Mid South Farm and Gin shows, Nicosia's comments, and and I'll, I'll give you sort of a summation that, of my interpretation, and, and please correct me because I might have missed something. Uh, you know, he he said the obvious. We we we've moved down because of the trade wars. If we're going to move up, it's going to be because of a trade agreement. He thought that was going to happen, but like everybody else, the timing on it's the big. The big question mark, and uh, and uh, he talked about uh, if we do get a rally, it'll be led by old crop, and new crop will move up along with it. But he seemed to be very bearish about new crop prices based on acreage and and the the weather patterns, and and I think the implication was if we do see that, you need to take advantage of those higher prices. And John, that's really what. That's really what you're saying. He also, OA, and you comment on this, he talked about Brazil. He talked about the fact that we kind of opened the door with this, these trade tariffs, China going to Brazil for more of their cotton. We opened the door for them as a, a bigger competitor than we've seen in the past. Does that kind of sum it up? Well, I think it does, yeah. Just right to nail on the head. Uh, definitely. John did say something that uh, particularly uh, piqued my interest, and it, it's, it should be known, I should know it. When is the planning deadline, John, if you know offhand the, uh, the corpus? The, the, you mentioned I think in April, uh, I thought. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say mid-April, but, you know, it, it, okay. it's a right. precise well, day, and I'm, I hesitate to say that's yeah. exactly yeah. when it is. It's in April sometime. Well, you know, that's, that's uh, 
I probably have not paid enough attention to that as I think about prices. That's uh, mid-April is just a month away. Yeah, not <laughs> far. A lot of water's got to drain. There's a lot of water that's got to drain off a lot of flat, heavy clay ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any any other comments, Kip? Are you there? You got you got anything? I'm here. Yeah. I, uh, Give really, us the answer. Nothing, really, nothing to add to what uh, what John and Owe have said. We're all uh, kind of agreement. Uh, there's always a danger in that, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. it does look like uh, there's a potential based on what we're seeing for some planning delays, simply because of what Owe just brought up and John mentioned earlier. Uh, we Weather patterns uh, are either very positive. <laughs> uh, if it quits raining uh, in the mid south and in the area there, in Texas, where it's wet and we can get a crop in, my goodness, you know the subsoil would be great for a cotton crop and get timely rains. It's going to be bigger than, than we can imagine. On the other hand, if it continues to rain and we continue to get this weather, we may not get the acreage we've been all been talking about. That's not impossible either. So. Um, between the trade wars and the, the weather, there's a lot of uncertainty here. Um, at the same time, this trade war, I think, is whether it's having a, as big a negative impact as people want to talk about, it's certainly put a pall on the world global growth simply because of the uncertainty. So, um, you know, I, I, without just repeating the same thing, I really don't have anything new that hadn't been discussed already. Let, let me read something, if y'all give me just a, a second here. Uh, they came out from Bloomberg last week. And of course, you see every kind of thing, but this was interesting. And, and Bloomberg wrote this, I think it was on Thursday uh, morning. It says This paragraph says, while a deal is yet to be made, the two nations are close. Two people familiar with the discussion said, the new target could see annual U.S. agricultural exports to China rise to about $55 billion to $60 billion achievable in about three years, uh, according to Rabobank International. That's up from $24 billion in 2017. And, of course, China didn't make any comment on that. Uh, I think most people are looking for, when this thing finally happens, whenever it is, $30 billion, kind of is what's being discussed. But this is the first that I've seen of an annual number of $55 billion to $60 billion. Has anybody else been hearing anything like that? Of course, this is long-term. But still, if we're trying to scrounge around for something positive, certainly the long-term view, if something like this happens, has got to be pretty pretty bright. Yeah, and just to be clear, that's dollars. You're yes. a num- billion dollars. $55 billion to $60 billion, but that's achievable in three years. And that, and, that, and I kept looking at that, saying, "Is that annual?" And it, it does say annual, so I guess you can write anything. But that's, that got my attention. As it should. That's a pretty stout number for three years. Uh, John's point that might mean that they're making the assumption prices are going to go quite higher. But uh, uh, that, that those are pretty strong numbers, and it gets my attention too. I did not see that article. Thank you. I think the challenge is to get through 2019. I mean, that's that's what we're really dealing with. That's a great comment, Pat. The, the, the 2019 appears to be more of a challenge than we've seen in a number of years. I assume nobody wants to recommend to farmers to be doing any hedging or pricing where we are. 
No, you know, in my Outlook talks, I've been I've been putting up a a, a graph showing December nineteen prices kind of stair stepping down from the highs wherever they were in the eighties down to where they are, and I, I match that up against the cost of a seventy five put, which is too expensive and doesn't doesn't result in a meaningful you know you're hedging a price below your cost of production, and I I point back a couple of months and say we need a rally in the market back to here where where a 75 put premium is a lot cheaper and the hedged price, you know, or the hedged or the contracted price is a lot higher. There's really not much you can say now at the present time. It's just kind of like point out if, if there's a rally back to 78, then all this is becomes workable and, uh, and take some action for what it's worth. Also, there are some contract offerings, um, out there in for West Texas anyway. I don't know that they're I don't know how much business, if any, that they're getting. It's a pretty good basis, but there are a lot of you know, pre the merchants have been have been burned by the, the, the low mic kind of thing. They've they've lost money on on their quality uh offerings in the past, so they've gotten uh they've gotten a lot tougher on in capping the premiums at thirty one, three thirty six levels and expanding the discounts. And I don't know that growers are are biting on on any of that. One, in fact, as one merchant told me, uh, you know, they they put out uh, an offering to contract, and growers, his customers, told them, "Well, we're waiting for prices to get back to seventy seven or seventy eight before taking any action." So there's either going to be a world of contracting and or a world of hedging that goes on if the market ever does rally back to seventy seven or seventy eight. I would, I, I would, I'd love to see a seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Uh, we will certainly have to have some sort of a weather uh, situation, to, you know. In my opinion, to do that, uh, there's an awful lot of hope about huge Chinese business being done on the resolution. I, obviously, there's some business to be done, but I, I, as we talk about seventy-seven, seventy-eight cents, John, I just come back to the idea that we're in the commodity business. We're we're going to follow the cheapest crop we can find. And if we're looking at a cost of production above 70 cents, uh, we may be growing the wrong crop. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, when I say that in mentally, my, my mind is that that's, that's adding in, that's adding in a, a return to management. That's a returns to land. That's sort of a full cost sort of deal. Well, now, I, grow- yeah. I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. And growers are going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, had a, I mentioned this at, at, at the Memphis June show. A grower called me and was getting ready to buy a picker, and he said the market was 74 cents. I talked to Kip, too. He said, it got to have 75 cents. I'm going to buy this picker. I said, sounds like to me you need to go out and do some custom harvesting. Uh, I, I mean, I'm becoming more and more negative on 75 cents, but this idea of the coastal wind being rained out, so to speak, in that wet. We could still be wet in, in, in the Mid-South. But uh, that, uh, that 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 cost of production, a full management return, I'm afraid we're going to have to be looking at 68, 65 cents. Uh, yeah, uh, well. So, I mean, and, and I, 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 I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with yeah. you. Uh, but I, I'm becoming more and more concerned. Pat's comment is we got to get past 2019. Now, and right. Joe Nicholson did make the comment that you know he could see a, a 26 million bale crop. Uh, I mean, I yeah. see it, but we got we got to we we we, we got to get get the seed in the ground before we can do that. Talk to a uh, 
excuse me, a consultant that sees a war of a cotton in Louisiana and Mississippi, and he said, man, we just can't wait. We're looking 1,700 1,800 pounds. So, again, you look at that, and all of a sudden that cost production better come down in a hurry. Yeah, I I almost want to apologize, and I guess I am doing it out loud because I'm bearish. I I really am. Uh, So, well, I just want you to know how 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 it shakes my world for you to (laughs) for you to be this bearish. (laughs) But you know, we're losing our equilibrium. I know, I know. There's a shift. There's a shift going on. Uh, but you know, we're talking about getting through 19. So what do growers do? Well, you know, they'll grow a crop, they'll gamble, and and they'll eat equity, and they'll they'll do other things, not pay themselves. They got to pay their rent if they're renting, but you know, they'll do things to get through. And they're basically gambling. You know, they're gambling on a good crop. Right. They're they're gambling on a home run with cotton. And I, by gosh, I hope they have it at the farm gate. I hope every one of them has it. It does set us up for an aggregate problem of what you just said, 25 million bales or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, well let's give <laughs> – I feel like we're at a funeral here, but <laughs> let's give our projections for December prices, okay? Uh, do the best we can on this. Uh, OA, I'm going to start with you and let give you the honor of starting off. Give us your December forecast for prices, uh, Cotton. Well, we take normal weather, whatever ever in the world that means. I think uh, – 75, 76 cents on the top side, and uh, on down to around 62 cents on the bottom side. Okay. Kip? Um, you know, you almost have to couch this in scenarios, but uh, I'm thinking that uh, if we can maybe top end is 77, 78 cents per December, and the low end, I'm I, if we get these kind of numbers we're talking about at 24 to 26 crop, I'm not going to be surprised to see us going to very high fifty. Okay, John. Well, I think I already said seventy-eight, sixty-two, and I'll I'll just stick with that. Although I, you know, when when somebody throws out, well, under this condition, it could be higher or lower. I'm I'm in agreement with those things. I'll just stick with my range. There you go. Well, I guess we all are in agreement that people need to be ready. If we suddenly get something that shakes this market right. and we rally, and the old crop and we drag December with it, you you got to be ready, right? Because it might not be up there long, and it may and not you, be there. You need, you, you need to be prepared to move as fast as you can because it right. might not might not be a very long time that it sticks its head up. Anyway, any other comments as we wrap this up? All right. Well, we want to thank uh, thank our panel for being with us and, and, and uh, giving us the thoughts. Uh, John, specifically, thank you for leading us. Uh, and uh, thanks again to our listeners. That concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Uh, we'll see you later. Thank you. Thank you all. Bye-bye.